welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Here today in the courtroom of the Magnolia City Hall. I want to thank the city for allowing us to be here. We love our partnership with the city. We love the city. But this courtroom is the perfect context to talk about our relationship with God. Because our relationship with God has a legal aspect to it that we want to talk about today. We have this legal standing with God that, that creates an atmosphere of almost a courtroom type setting when we enter into that beautiful relationship with our God. Today's big idea, we're going to hit it right out of the gate. Today's big idea is this. Our relationship with God is based on what he has done for us and not what we do for him. You see, our relationship with God is based on his work in our life and not the work that we do. One of the reasons why we're here in, in this courtroom is that when we go to church, Sometimes we confuse church as an event. And in fact, I'm pointing that way because that's where the church is, right across the street from us here from the courtroom. But, but over there, there is a sense that, that it can be an event. We talk about the church not being a building, it is the people. That is all true. But that other misconception would be that we think of church as an event, something that we go do. In fact, we'll confuse it that thinking that if we go to church, we are good. We wake up on a Sunday morning when we're able to meet together, or we wake up on a Sunday morning and we grab our laptops and we tune into m1bc.tv, and we think, if I do this, then I'm doing the right thing today. I'm being good. Well, that kind of confuses our relationship with God in that we begin to kind of teeter on the side of what we are doing for him rather than focusing on what he has done for us. This courtroom is actually a little bit important for me because years ago when my son Mason was 16, we came into this courtroom hoping for something. You see, at church, we go there maybe to do the right thing, to do the good thing. When we walk into a courtroom, most of us, we're hoping for something good to happen to us. In fact, we're hoping for forgiveness. We're hoping that what we did will be forgiven and washed away. And so that feeling in a courtroom brings us to this contract, this relationship that we have with God. When I walked in here that many years ago with Mason, uh, Mason had received a speeding ticket. And let me be clear, the speeding ticket was one that could not be dealt with by defensive driving alone. That ticket required that we come to this room to get it settled. And I remember sitting over here on uh, the left-hand side, the, the judge was up here, and I think I was more nervous than my own son. And he was, uh, the judge was asking the, those that were here to, to make sure when they walk up to here, I need you to say this, this, and this. And I can't even remember what they were. But I remember looking at Mason. Hey, did you hear that? Or, you know, make sure you do that. Make sure you, you know, dude, you got to get this right is what I'm thinking. And uh, 
it was one of my most proudest moments as a father because I watched who maybe I was considering a boy turn into a man in front of my own eyes. And as a young man, he walked up with all maturity and he dealt with the, the ticket that he had done and was very respectful. All, all that to say, we walked out of here and Mason's ticket was dismissed. Mason's ticket basically went away. In court, we can grasp this concept of being forgiven and never looking back. By Mason's ticket being dismissed, I could go to the back right now. I might get arrested if I do it. I could go find the judge's quarters, his room, go start digging through his files and see if I can find anything with my family's name on it. Go see if I can find Mason's ticket in there. And if the judge were to walk in and, and see us searching and we told him, hey, we're looking for that ticket because Mason was here a few years ago and, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and if he would remember our faces and remember who we were and remember the, thing, the, the, the instance, he would say, why are you here? There's, it was dismissed. I said, you're forgiven. The case is over. And technically, we really don't even have a record of it here because it's gone. It's erased. If you ever come back here to court again, we're not going to hold that against you. You are getting a fresh start. That's what our relationship with God is all about. It is something that he did for us. It is a legal standing, a legal contract. And I hate to use that word, but it's, it, it, it is what it is. It's a legal standing that we have with our Lord and Savior. And so the context of this courtroom, we can grasp being forgiven and never looking back. Because when me and Mason walked out of here, you know, it was done. It was good. It was a, this is over. You know, we get to move into a new chapter and walk away from this. But however, it's kind of funny as Christians, when we get over there, I'm pointing to the church. In church, we have this tendency, even though we know that our father has forgiven us, we have a tendency to keep a record of it. God doesn't keep a record, but we have a tendency to keep records of it and we shove it in our mind. In fact, the enemy brings it up against us and he reminds us of what we did. And surely, surely God didn't really forgive you for that, but he did. And there's no offense that is too great that God would not grant you forgiveness or has not already granted you forgiveness. And so here we are in a courtroom today. I want you to grab the context of what it feels like to have a ticket dismissed, to have something that you know you did. There is no doubt about it. But then a judge was gracious enough to grant forgiveness through grace. It's a wonderful thing. And when you apply that to your relationship with the Father, it is incredible. And that's how we need to operate in our relationship with God. Our relationship is not based on what we do for him, our works. Our relationship is based on what he has already done for us. You see... When God looks back on our days, we often use the term, he remembers our sin no more. We will say he has uh, uh, 
cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's all scripture. But, but we, we hang on that, but then sometimes we don't believe it. We hope the judge did that. When he grabbed that, he hit it. We're done. It is a sealed deal. But for God, we hear the verse that says he remembers it no more. But then for some reason, we keep digging it back up. In fact, Second Peter, he says that we often are like dogs that return to their own vomit. We, we dig it up and it smells again. We, we, we revisit the past, something that has already been taken care of. And so when the judge says he remembers it no more, it means that, yes, when we walk in here the next time, that offense is not held against us. The next time we get pulled over, at least we hope, that record doesn't pull up on the, on the officer's computer. It's gone. It's a fresh start. God is the same way. He says he remembers our sin no more. Let me remind you, God is not a forgetful God. God remembers in his brain. But just like the judge does for us, God never brings that sin up again and holds it against you. It's forgiven. It's gone. It's erased. It is no more. In Hebrews, we're looking at this topic of uh, really walking through the whole book of Hebrews. And so today we start and, and we're looking at this relationship based on his work in our life, because really the theme in Hebrews, we've labeled it enough is enough. We kind of think the author of Hebrews, maybe he looked around and he saw everything that's going on and he says, look, you guys have forgotten the role of Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus is the final authority. Jesus is the, the one mediator that you have between you and God. He is the end all. Jesus has been established as our great high priest. And it's time you grasp your true relationship with God. Again, it is based on what God has done for you, not what we will do for him. I'd like you to grab your Bible, grab your device, and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, some will call this the, the, the theme or key verse that we will find in Hebrews. And that's why we start out with it today in this series on Enough is Enough. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, listen to what it says. It says, for God's will was for us to be made holy. By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time, enough is enough. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. It's that loop of trying to please God, trying to please God. He says the priest will do the sacrifices over and over and over again. The author of Hebrews says, stop. Jesus has come. Enough is enough. Verse 12, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice again, sorry, a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 13, there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. And verse 14 is very key. 
it says, for by that one offering, he, Jesus, forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Some translations go so far as to say, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are perfect, or he has forever made holy those who are being made holy. There's an important term here that we need to grasp. And, and when Jesus offered himself up so that you could become perfect, that is when a legal declaration over you has taken place. And we call it justification. It's a theological term and it's one we need to know. Theologians throw this at us, but we need to fully understand what it means. The term is justification. It is a legal term. And the term means we are declared holy. We didn't earn holiness. We are declared holy holiness. This is talking about our position in Christ. If you are a Christ follower, you have been declared holy and your position in Christ is that you are holy and righteous. He views you no other way. You are holy and righteous. This, this justification is a one-time event. You are born again, to put it how maybe our parents said it. You are saved. You are a Christ follower. It is our position in Christ that has changed. We are now holy. We are righteous. It is a one-time event, and it is something that has been placed upon you. It is the work of God in your life and in my life. God has declared us holy. So you might ask, well, what does holy really mean? Oftentimes we, we think of something holy, we only put it into a religious context. It's something that's unreachable or unattainable or so pure that you can't look at it. The, the word holy is a very simple term that, that has a spiritual connotation, but not always. The word holy just means set apart. And I, I love the term holiness and I love the concept of being set apart and my best illustration would be to say that this mug right here is holy. And, and let me explain that to you. This mug I got when I was student pastor here way back in the day, I was invited to speak at a Lions Club uh, banquet. And, and after the banquet, they, they gave me this mug. And I love this mug. I've kept it for all these probably 20 years. Uh, it used to have the Lions Club emblem on it. It's all... Uh, faded away now. I have, I have used this cup mightily. But what you need to understand is that many years ago, I didn't drink coffee. And so I didn't know what to do with this mug. And then I had the great idea. This mug is the perfect size for not just one, but maybe two or three scoops of Bluebell ice cream. And so what I did is I made announce, an announcement to my family and I said, everyone, this cup is not for coffee. In fact, I got to be honest with you, this cup is not for you. It's for dad. This cup will now be put in our pantry and is set apart for ice cream, for milk. And all of a sudden, this cup became holy. To my knowledge, coffee has never been in here. To my knowledge, nobody has ever used this cup but me because it is set apart for me, for Bluebell, for a great time. Now, 
when we talk about holiness, when we talk about being set apart, God has taken you, God has taken me, and he has not put us on a shelf to be reserved for another day. God has taken you and me and he has placed us and sent us out into the world so that we can be used by him. We are set apart for God, for his purpose. And so when God declares you holy, he does use the word righteousness. He declares you righteous. He declares you clean. He declares you pure. And he declares you as set apart for his work. Why are we here today? Because really, holiness in its real, real sense happens when we step outside of the church. When we step outside of the church, then it is like coming out of the cabinet and going out into the world, you get the bluebell put in it, but now you are being used for his purpose. Now, if the enemy can get you to think about your relationship in terms of what you do for God, then he is going to just punch you down. And that is the enemy's favorite thing to do is to get you thinking about how unworthy you are, to get you thinking about what you cannot do rather than what you can do. He will get you thinking about why we can't be at the church right now. Why, why, why we're over, you know, he, he will just fill your mind with all the obstacles. Whereas God wants to do this. God says, I have set you apart to be used for my glory. What is the opportunity that is in front of you right now that you can take advantage of? I believe during this time of pandemic, there are so many opportunities to be used by God. Some that we would have never thought about four months ago. Some that would have been much more difficult uh, four months ago. But we have been set apart for that purpose. Romans 3, 23, verses, uh, 3, verses 23 and 24. Listen to what it says. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified, declared holy, by his grace as a gift. It is a gift to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are declared righteous. We are declared holy. We are set apart for his good work. And we focus on his work in us so that we can take that and spread that out to the world outside the walls and the doors of the church. The New Living Translation puts verse 24 like this. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Go back to our key verses, Hebrews chapter 10. And in verse 10, it says, For God's will was for us to be made holy. It is his work. You ever thought about your birthday? When we have a birthday, why are we celebrating you on your birthday? You didn't accomplish anything. Your mom is the one that should be celebrated. She's the one that had a major accomplishment. Not you, not me. It was your mom. In the same way, when we think about our relationship with God, it is his work in us that we celebrate. It is his work that makes us worthy, that, that we can look back and laugh at people that would think we're unworthy to do things for God because God has declared us as holy. 
Hebrews is saying this, enough is enough. Quit looking to self and look to Christ. Jesus is your great high priest and he is the mediator between you and God. And Jesus is the one who has made your way to where you are holy and righteous. Verse 14, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. When Mason walked out of this courtroom that day and I was with him, there was, I think, just a giddy smile on our faces because forgiveness happened. Uh, There's that moment where you wonder, what is it going to look like? But the reality is we walked out of here and the consequences were taken away that would happen in this courtroom. Uh, Yeah, we had to pay a few fees, but we didn't have to pay the fee or turn in the driver's license. And so we were forgiven. Mason was forgiven. And walking out of this room was, for all practical purposes, a great day in our life. Our legal standing with God is that we are righteous and holy. Verse 14, for by that one offering that he did for us forever made you and me perfect. I don't want to go any further though without saying not only is it an opportunity to have that declaration over us, but you know, some of us, never go to court. Uh, There is a point to where some of us will reject that declaration over us. And if you've never had a time where you've given yourself to Christ and asked him to give you that justification, to give you that, that, that holiness, to declare you holy. And you don't have to say it in those words. It's really just a simply going to God and saying, God, I give up. I'm trying to do it my way, but I know I need to do it your way and you've already done it for me. If you've never ever accepted him, then I would ask you, would you, would you put in the chat right now or, or go to our website, uh, our, uh, We have a live chat on our website right now where you can talk to one of our pastors and we want to get with you. If you're on m1bc.tv, hit the live prayer and then uh, we can talk to you privately through that and we would love to get with you. Email us, find us on our website, reach out to us, you know, instant message us on Facebook. Don't let today go by with, with, with not accepting this gift that God wants to give you, which is justification, that declaration. Don't try and clean your life up. Some of you might be watching this and you're relieved because you can go to church and you don't feel guilty because church brings this conviction or whatever it would be on you. Church is not for fixed people. Church is for everyday people that make everyday mistakes. I'm a pastor and I got to walk in all humility into this room. My pride got a hold of me. What is a pastor doing in a courtroom. We're all just people who have done things that God wants to forgive and he wants to declare you holy. We're going to head back over to the church in a moment, but, but I want to give us a time to worship. And uh, 
Again, if you're not a Christ follower or if you just want to talk to us, go to that chat, go to the live prayer. uh, Let us know. We want to reach out to you. But I want to end our time here before we we finish up at the uh, main church on the main stage. And let's just give God our glory. Because see, you don't have to do it over there. You can do it right in your living room right now is to worship God. And so I'm going to ask you just to watch. And I think that's what most of us do anyway, and that's okay. Some of you will get up and sing, and I admire that. I'm probably more of just the watcher. But, but that is worship for me in the context of my living room. Would you watch right now as, uh, as we sing this, how deep the Father's love is for us, how deep the Father's love is for you and for me. And it is beyond all measure. Let's worship. I know with all my heart 
have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an have paid my ransom yes this i know with all my heart his wounds have paid my ransom father these words mean life to me these these words are a better word than i can ever hear it means that my slate is clean I am a new creation. I am justified because I am a recipient of the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I humbly come before you and I thank you for that free gift. And I pray against remembering the sins that held me back. Lord, I pray for bad memory that we could walk boldly before you knowing that we are cleaned because of your wounds. Thank you, Jesus, for your deep love. Thank you that I am no longer a slave to sin. You have freed me. I am justified before you. Thank you for those words and those reminders. And Lord, I pray right now for the people listening to this that want to know more. Lord, I pray that they would feel comfortable to reach out to find out what, what it means just to think that we no longer have to be held back, that we are not defined by our mistakes. We're defined by what you did for us. I pray that you would call those people to us that we could share the good news because it is good news. We can have that giddy smile like Pastor Milt said because we know it is finished because of what you did for us. So we thank you for that. And I close by saying the most precious name I know to say, the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen. So, after we leave the courtroom, we have been declared holy, we have been declared righteous. Oftentimes, when some time passes, when there's a bit of a delay, we begin to think. And we begin to ask ourselves questions. And there's a common question that comes up when we deal with this declaration of righteousness, a declaration of holiness. And it's this, if God has declared me holy, if God has declared me righteous, then do my righteous acts really matter? If God is sovereign, does it matter what my righteousness is, what I do? Well, it does. In fact, Hebrews 10, 14, it deals with that very tension. Listen to it one more time. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. He forever made perfect 
Again, that's that one-time event, that justification, that legal position we have in Christ. But who's being made perfect? Those who are being made holy. And so there's the tension. There's the process. We have the event, the justifying event that Jesus does for us. But then there is that lifelong process of becoming more like him. More like him every single day. Here's the honest truth. When we're asking that question, we have allowed our lens to shift. We've, we've began to default back to our original thought of our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is based on what he has done for us, not what we do for him. Our righteousness is an overflow. It's a celebration of what God has done. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, in short, we are saved to good works, not by our good works. Listen to how he words it. He says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. In Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Does my righteousness matter? Does your righteousness matter? Absolutely. God is shaping you. He is shaping me. And he is using us to reveal himself, to reveal his love to all those around us. And it is an honor to worship, and to serve our God. We have to say yes to him. We have to answer his call. What has he planned for us to do? And we move forward in that. Let me give you a few next steps for today. Number one, would you accept God's love and justification? And I hope, hope you took me serious early. If... Uh, if you've never accepted that, please go to the chat right now. Uh, go to our website, enter that live chat with one of our pastors. If you're on M1BC TV, uh, go to the live prayer section. We want to talk to you. We want to talk to you privately and help you through this. But accept God's love and justification. Number two, seek his plans for you. What does he have planned for you? Ask him. Just straight up ask him what his plans are for you. And then lastly, just do the next right thing. We say that a lot around here. But find out what the next right thing is and do it. And here's what we would say. In the midst of this pandemic, it has never been easier. It's never been easier to love your neighbor. A phone call just simply asking, how are you doing, is received so well in our context. If you don't do anything as a result of today, please pick up the phone, call someone who the Lord puts on your heart, and just ask them, how are you doing, and show God's love. Let me pray, and we're going to worship some more. Father, we love you. We are grateful for what you have done for us, and I pray that, Lord, the, the declaration that you have given over us, Lord, will just result in joy, in gratitude, that we would serve you, Lord, not out of duty, 
Lord, not out of any kind of a good work that we would be earning your love. And Lord, may church never be an event where we think we are good because we went and did it, Lord. Father, we love you and we pray that you would use us mightily. Thank you for what you did for us. And Lord, help us to move forward doing what you have asked us to do because we know enough is enough. And you're ready for us to understand who we are in Christ to do those things that you have planned for us long ago. All for what you did on the old rugged cross, Lord. We love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.